Hello and welcome to the NCTM podcast. I'm Gwen Trezida from the NCTM communications team and today I'm talking to Sarah Williams and Scott Gibson, maths teachers from David Nieper Academy in Alfreton, Derbyshire. I met these two teachers when I visited the school to find out more about how the department uses their department time to collaboratively and continuously review and refine their schemes of work. You can read more about this in the feature on our website and I'll put the link on the podcast page. When I met them though, they had interesting things to say, not only about collaborative planning in the department, but also about being an ECT in the department, that's Sarah, and about being a very experienced maths teacher in the department, that's Scott. Hi Sarah. Hi. Hello Scott. Hi. Uh, We're recording this in the last few weeks of the summer term of 2022 in the hope that it will be helpful to anyone new to maths teaching or new to mentoring in September, or maybe be a pause for reflection to those that have been in either role this year. Shall we start by getting a bit of background from you, Scott? I believe you've taught in lots of schools. Yeah, I've taught in 10 schools now, um, been all over the country, um, obviously starting off as a main school teacher, then became head of, head of department in a very tough school in uh, Bradford. Uh, it was described in the papers at the time as being like Beirut. It was in special measures. Um, but we managed to, over the course of two years, uh, get the school out of special measures to good in every, every area. Um, by changing behaviour, but also having high expectations on learning and quality provision for young people. So that was very interesting. Um, and then I, I went into several different um, other schools uh, as a senior leader, and um, I've taught in many. Um, my, my own specialist area really is, is curriculum design and timetabling and assessment. But um, a year ago, I joined a new trust and decided that I made a move that wasn't right for me. And so I was very fortunate to find David Nieper looking for somebody. And I'm really thrilled to be here. I love it. Right, so this is your first year here, or the end of your first year it's here, It's the is end that of right? two terms, actually. Right. This is my second term here. Okay. And it's been a, a wonderful move. Okay, that's, that's exciting to hear. And Sarah, do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? I'm, I know you're um, an ECT, but you haven't gone straight into being an ECT from university, have you? So did you have a career before, is that right? Yes, no, I had a career in uh, retail management before and some accounting as well. Um, And yes, just a couple of years ago, um, I had a bit of a career change and due to sort of responsibilities with children and my children growing up a bit more, decided to retrain um, as a maths teacher. So I did my training year last year and this is my first year um, in post as a maths teacher at David mm-hmm. Nieper Academy. Right, and how's it been? It's been fantastic. It really has. It's been. It's had highs. It's had lows. I always feel very well supported by the, the the team, the math team, and the senior leadership team. And yes, learning all the time. And it's been fantastic to have a mentor like Scott because been able to just bounce ideas off him and talk about things before teaching lots of things we've been able to discuss together and so that's probably the bit I didn't actually say at the beginning is that Scott is Sarah's mentor this year so we'll talk a little bit about that relationship and how that works as well because I think that will be useful to our listeners would one of you give me a little bit of a thumbnail on David Nieper the school was a new school it's a newly formed school I think about five years ago the, the predecessor school had, had lots of problems it was an old build it was very very old and shambolic in actual fact 
Um, and it got as bad as schools could get. And so, fortunately, local authority agreed that a new build would be put in place, a new school would be formed. The uh, trustees at the time then sought uh, a sponsor, and David Nepo very kindly said that they, he was, that they would actually be prepared to sponsor the school with a, um, an explicit focus on employability, trying to regenerate the community. And this really is a, a school that is focused primarily on in preparing young people for employ, employment in, the, in their future adult lives. Right. Everything we do is predicated on that. Okay. Um, and so. And do you want to say a little bit about the community? Because, um, I mean, I'm, the, I know the school's a new school and, and I went to school in this area and I think the school was called Morton Wilson at that yes. time and it's had another name change in between and it's now David Nieper, isn't it, which gives a kind of sense of possibly the difficulties the school's had but it's also quite a challenging community, isn't it, in terms of being an ex-mining community that now doesn't have a mine. And of course, and that's, that's the problem. I mean, the, the community's got to uh, sort of um, re-establish itself. It's got to redefine itself. It's got to grow again. And the way to do that, of course, is really through employment, through enterprise. Um, and yes, it is a, a very deprived area in many respects, but at the same time, it's rich. It's rich in people, it's rich in ideas, and there actually is a, a growing sense of commerce now. There are lots of new businesses here and big employers around here. Mm. And so the, the focus now is to make sure that the young people here have higher aspirations, don't look backwards, look forwards, you know, unimagined futures, that's what we want now. And getting young people prepared, eager and willing to take on the opportunities that employment can bring. And mm-hmm. that's, of course, what employers want. They want young people who are skilled and equipped and have those employability skills to you know, help their businesses be successful. So we're part of that transition. We're transforming the community, as you'd expect a school to actually be, the hub of the community. Right. And you are the only school in the community, aren't you? Secondary school, I mean. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and when I arrived here this afternoon, um, Scott and Sarah were both kind of just sitting down after a whole day with Year 7s, um, doing a project on exactly that sort exactly of thing, wasn't that. it? Do you want to just explain a little bit about that project? Yeah. I mean, so, Sarah, if I do this one. Yes, yes. Um, something actually Sarah's been very much involved in, in producing and it's again what makes us particularly rich at this academy is it's all focused on real life learning it's employability the students it's called mini olympics and what the students have got they've got three days off timetable to come up with a business plan to persuade a bank to loan them the money to put on this, this mini olympics so it's got to be profitable but it's rich because they've got to think this through in every, every conceivable way. They've got to come up with a plan of the events they're going to put on. They've got to cost it. They've got to work out um, how many tickets they can sell. They've got to advertise. They've got to have um, uh, refreshments. And it, mathematically, it's quite rich. Right. But they have to work in teams. And so it's not just about getting something that works. It's the process. Can they work intelligently, creatively and collaboratively to, and in an enterprising way to produce a product where they could get somebody externally to actually um, sponsor them to actually do this. It's a rich task. Okay, um, so I'm going to go back to Sarah now and just ask about her first year. Do you want to tell me some, uh, a topic that stands out for you that you've particularly enjoyed teaching? Yeah, well, there's, there's lots of things I've enjoyed. I'd say one of them, one of the more recent topics this term that we've been teaching as a faculty to year sevens is probability and fractions and again rather than teaching fractions as a a topic and then a few weeks later probability as a topic we we use a mastery approach so we um we 
we're making connections all the time. So we, we see fractions through probability. Um, and it, it's been wonderful to see the children who may have some, obviously have fractions uh, knowledge from primary, um, and then they can apply that to probability, which they might not have seen before. Mm. Um, and, yeah, that's been fantastic, really. And we've worked collaboratively. Um, uh, it's one thing I absolutely love about the, the team here, um, the maths team, um, as an ECT, is the collaborative planning, because we have two periods... Uh, over two weeks, where we meet as a faculty um, to plan collaboratively. Um, So it's really nice to hear you talk about that unit, because um, just so the listeners have got the full picture, that was the unit that I saw planned when I came to look at the department's collaborative planning. Yeah, I I saw this department looking at plan for this unit and sort of revising it and questioning it and thinking what could be better about it. So it's nice to hear you now talking about um, teaching it and uh, and how the how have the kids received it have they have they enjoyed it the, the, it's been astounding really they've, they've really enjoyed it and um, I, I, you know I've also taught probability or recapped it with some of the older years and I find it very exciting when sort of you know year sevens come in and they're already achieving um, you know the way we we're teaching it they're able to access uh, these problems that we might you know before I've only brought up in uh, year 10 or year 9 or what have you. Um, so, yes, they've, they've really, really enjoyed it, um, yeah, and thrown themselves into it. Yeah. I think that the, the positive thing about uh, these, this particular unit is that it gives students this uh, opportunity to um, make real learning gains in context. Mm. It's the linking. Um, and, you know, traditionally some schools may have gone down having this been taught discreetly. But we know that by, link, by linking that together, it really enables young people to commit this to long-term memory because they have that linked learning. And so um, I found that particularly useful in terms of what one lesson that has stood out. Well, we did equivalences. I mean, that was, that was, that was a, a very rich lesson that we've, we had, I think, where um, we talked the equivalence of fractions by actually going through using probabilities as the introduction to that. And that worked particularly well. But I think as a unit, so overall, it's actually been very, very good. It's flowed very well. Yes, it has. Do you want to say a little bit more about that collaborative planning process and how that supported you as an ECT? Yes, absolutely. I, I found that in, in my training year, um, I absolutely loved my training year. I had uh, two terms in one particular school and then a term in another school. And obviously we were hit by COVID, so I spent some time at home. So um, one of my... Not fears. One of the challenges I knew I was going to face was that I probably hadn't had a, a huge amount or as much face-to-face student time when I started my job here, and I, you know, envisaged myself spending hours and hours at night planning all my own lessons, and um, and I think one of the things which I think is probably unique to to the maths department here at David Nipper is, is this collaborative planning. So we we don't we share resources. Um, we uh, plan lessons together, so I might work with another maths teacher and plan a unit together, which we share, and we talk about how we're going to teach it, what um, you know, misconceptions or you know, what salient points are we going to make sure that we, we get over to the students. Um, and I did find in my training year um, that some, you know, in the in the department, sometimes teach that you know, the very 
reluctant to share their lessons with other teachers um which uh and i found it so refreshing here because it, it just especially when you come in as an ect you've got so much to uh, get to grips with and you're you don't have that mentor in your classroom you don't have that person helping you um and to have that collaborative planning every week gives you so much confidence and it's one less thing that you you have to uh you know face on your own and 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 sharing ideas with more experienced teachers um and um yeah i've just found it invaluable Mm -hmm. um and it's been a huge huge help this year and how do you find that scott i'm i'm thinking are the things that sarah brings to that process that she might not even be aware of by being quite a fresh teacher. Of course, because at the end of the day, um, everybody has their own dimension to bring. Everybody has their past experience. And sometimes, even if you're asking questions for clarification, it forces us all to actually think again. Oh, oh yes, let's be explicit about that. Because sometimes, when you're very, very confident and experienced, you can just assume that what you're putting down is actually clear. But in actual fact, that's not always the case. You always need a second or third pair of eyes to actually just make sure that what you're putting down is actually explicit. And the, the collaborative planning, obviously, is, is a massive strength. I've been in schools where you've had collaborative planning before, but it's not necessarily what I would call effective collaborative planning. Here, every child gets the same diet, and I think that's what's crucial. Um, we're all skilled in adapting it slightly to ensure that the message gets across, but every child has the same chance to be successful, and they all get exactly that same lesson. And I think that's really, really important. I've worked in schools where you've had collaborative planning, and what would happen is a topic would be divided up between staff, and they'd go off discreetly and do their bit of planning, and there would be no talking going on. So it really wasn't collaborative. It was just delegated in a slightly different way. And I'm not suggesting for one minute that we've got the perfect model. We're not. But it, this is one part that I think is actually it's a, it's a strength. It's a really good strength. And the beauty of it is that we can see where each lesson, each unit fits into the big picture. The sequencing of learning is always being questioned, but it's very clear. We have a rationale for exactly why we're teaching, what we're teaching, where, where we teach it. Uh, and if we decide as a team that it didn't quite work the way we wanted it to, we go back and change it. Mm. But it's constantly evolving, but there's a clear rationale for, the, for that progression of learning over time. And I think the children get a far better deal as a result of that. Right, because they're getting the best bits of every, everyone, even though there's only one person at the front of the classroom. Well, yeah. I think, can I just say, one of the things that's really important here is that it doesn't matter which one of us is standing in front of the children, they get a good deal. Right. Because we, that's, that's the whole purpose of this. We don't want children thinking, oh, I'm lucky because I've got this teacher, or I'm lucky because I've got that teacher. As a team, we're all supporting each other to be the best we possibly can. I learned from Sarah... I learn from, I'm very experienced, but I, I'm constantly learning. And we're all learning from each other. And I think that way it brings everything up. The standard is, is being written, uh, it's rising up for everybody. Right. That's refreshing to hear because I know there are experienced teachers sometimes that are just a bit like, well, I've got all my lessons, I know how to do them. This is, a, this is actually using up time that I could be mm. using in a different way, but that's not how it feels to you. No, absolutely not. I mean, since being... I'm a very, very confident teacher. As I said, I've been teaching for over 20 years. But uh, you know, it's, it's that old adage that the more you know, the, the more you realise you don't know much at all. And so I'm constantly learning. I'm finding new techniques, new ways to deliver things. And the beauty, I think, of the mastery is that uh, this idea of variation and mathematical thinking, 
you can't ever um, master that completely. You, you're constantly evolving that all the time. And talking to other people, their perspective, the way they see it, enriches your own uh, practice. So, no, I'm, I'm, and I enjoy it because I want to get better. I want to learn more. I want to find new ways. And, uh, so, and it keeps it interesting. Because it'd be boring if I, thought, if I thought I'd mastered it all. It'd be boring, wouldn't it? So, no, it's refreshing. Yeah, that's nice to hear because that is the other thing about teaching for a long time, isn't it? Is, is how do you keep yourself fresh? Yeah. Yeah. Are there any times where you've sat in a collaborative planning session, you think you know what you're doing, you go to the lesson, and then it doesn't quite work out as you hoped? I wonder if you've got an example of then being able to go back to the department office and go, oh, that didn't work. What, would, what did I do wrong? Have you, have you found that your colleagues have been able to offer things then yes. because they know the lesson that you intended to teach? Absolutely, yes. Uh, and I found that you, know, you, can have, you can be so perfectly prepared, <laughs> um, but you don't know what's going to walk in, um, at what you know, mood the children are in. It could be if it's the la- you're teaching that lesson in the last period on a Friday. Um, I've realised it's not a great time to embark on a new uh, something new. Um, so there have been plenty of times where yes, and that's that's why it's exciting because it's it's a challenge. You're not just going in and showing a PowerPoint. You're teaching. You're um, nurturing the children, getting the best out of them. Um, but yes, there have been numerous times where it probably hasn't gone as I thought it might. Um, and yeah, I think because we, um, you know, in location wise, our classrooms are all next to each other. We all all talking when we can, if we can grab five minutes or what have you. Um, and everyone's amenable to helping. So yes, I have found numerous times where we've I've talked about something, and then they've said, "Well, how about tomorrow when you teach? You know, try it this way." There's a a, a topic at the moment that I've I've taught with some of my year eights which they've found difficult sort of averages from frequency tables and they've they've found it very very difficult and and we're doing statistics so I've decided that I'm I'm giving it a break for a few lessons and then I'm going to come back to it with some fresh ideas which I've picked up from other members of the maths team. Can I I can think of two instances actually here Uh, one these are preempting it one was where um, you were, we were going to be teaching students uh, how to work at nets of, nets of 3D shapes. Yes. And you remember, you asked if you could come in and see how I was going to deliver mm. it. And not that it was a wonderful lesson, but it showed you a slightly different way of trying to bring what can be quite abstract and difficult for young people. Mm. And I think you found that useful. Very useful. And there was a second one when you were teaching the area of triangles. Yes. Do you remember? And we went through together the dedu- deductive approach. Yeah breaking the complex down in, into simple steps and making sure that students sort of actually use that step-by-step model for, you know, labelling a triangle, writing out the formula, putting in the values step-by-step and then coming to a solution at the end. And of course, the focus there was not on the answer. That was, it was about the process. Right. And again, I think you found once you did that with your lesson, you said oh, it really worked well. It was a fantastic And you, lesson, you were yeah, actually praised on it, weren't yes. you, by somebody who was watching your lesson at yes. the time. So. Yeah, and in that example you gave about the triangle, where in that would your understanding of what the area of a triangle actually is come in? Because you've talked about how to work it out. Well, well, yeah. So, so again, we did that. We start off with there's what this is the beauty of, of working mathematically. You start off with saying, "Hold on, there's only really one formula that you really need to know." 
and that's the over rectangle. And from that over rectangle, you could practically work out everything else. And that's the beauty of mathematics. With one simple bit of knowledge, you can create lots of new knowledge. So from that, this is just something we yeah, went we through. We talked about We said, yeah. OK, look, you're confident. You all know how to work at the over of a rectangle. If you don't know, let's go down to basics. Let's put squares in there and count the squares. Let's, let's do that. Right, so we can do it by counting pictures, count, counting squares. So we're keeping it very concrete and very pictorial. To go to the abstract, you then put the uh, algebra in there. It's length times width. OK, so you've got that. Well, let's cut it in half from one diagonal to the other. And you've got a triangle. You've got two triangles, and they're, they're similar. They're, they're congruent. So therefore, the area of the triangle is half the area of the rectangle. So that's where the formula comes from. And then from that, you can then say, well, hold on. Well, now you know that. Now you know the area of a rectangle is base times height. The area of a triangle is half the base times the height. Well, let's see if we can use that with some problems. Super so problem up. Right, so the base of this one is 10, and the height is 7. Well, work out the area then. And then they come up and say, oh, that's obviously 35. What, no, how did you get it? Mm. Show me how you know, convince me. Convince me why it's 35, because I, I think it's 36. Mm. You're saying it's 35. Well, show me why. And then get them actually to show that systematically to convince you and the rest of the class actually that they're correct. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about you coming to suddenly being a very new teacher in in a new career, what's that like, having presumably in your previous career got to a stage where you were fairly competent and knew what you were doing? Is that, does that really pull the rug from your feet or is it quite refreshing? Um, I, th- I think, I, I think, because obviously I'm, I've, you know, not straight out of university, I've got quite a few years under my belt, um, but I actually think it's helped me in terms of, I'm mature in terms of, I've uh, had life, ex- I've had, you know, I've had, children and so I'm used to dealing with uh, teenagers at home and uh, little ones and um, I think uh, coming to maybe if I was coming straight out of university I would have faced different challenges Mm. Um, whereas I feel that with my background in business the fact that I am older that I've brought some maturity and some nurturing qualities to uh, my teaching year so so they've there have been things that i found probably easier than maybe an ect coming in uh, from university or what have you um equally there might be some things where say on some subject knowledge because when i did my a levels and uh, gcses uh, things were slightly different so i've had to quickly uh look at a few more things um and revise some things but um but yes, it's, it's, it's not been too much of a shot. I think anybody coming into the profession, if they have got experience, um, they shouldn't feel uncomfortable about needing to le- learn a lot. Because the whole purpose of being in education is about learning, about sharing, about building, building, um, building lives. That's what we're here for. And so nobody should ever feel uncomfortable about, wanting, about needing to learn something. The only problem I would have is if you don't want to learn and so uh, and also people that ha- do know shouldn't be arrogant because we bought, we've got it from somebody else as well we're just sharing what we've learned um, and so you have to have a, a, a good level of humility I think and, and accept that um, you know that you don't have to know at all and it's not a, it's not a crime not to know but be prepared to put some graft in so that you can actually feel much more confident because we're constantly growing all of the time 
but I would encourage anybody who is coming to profession to accept that you know it's it's fine you're safe not knowing as long as you're prepared to put the effort in you'll be supported and you will become much more comfortable and confident of it over time yeah but you know going back to you were you saying any tips for new yes. ECTs um you know talk to your colleagues and uh and one thing I do you know when if we do get time at lunch you know to eat a sandwich or have you I'll go and try and go and eat it in where all the other maths in the staff room because uh, not in your classroom you know make sure you're talking to your colleagues um and sharing because you might have had a, a difficult day and sharing uh stories stories yeah, yeah. um then you sort of you know you think oh yeah so it's not it, it's not me it's it, you know we've we've had a bad um day or what have you or it might be a certain group or a certain individual um but yes and scott's right you've got to work hard um and there'll be good days and i'm sure there'll be some bad ones but i think at the end of it and, and anyone coming into the profession you just want to make a, a difference you do and if you you know um if you, and if you can do that it, it's extremely rewarding yeah let me ask you a bit about the mentoring role. In terms of practicalities, do you get time to? Yes. Yeah. How much time? We have do you one get? one period of fortnight at yes. the moment. Yeah. Okay. And is that for meeting? Do you also have observation time? I don't know what else. Do you that has do? to be outside of that. Um, you know, each school will have its own protocol for, for this. That's what we had put in place here. One period. Uh, one period of fortnight is okay. But the reality is we meet very regularly, don't we? Very regularly. Informally. Yeah. Yes. And probably that's the most beneficial bit of all. Because mm. you're so good, and I encourage anybody coming into profession, uh, be proactive. G- go and ask. Go and ask people for help. Because it, and this is where you've done so well, Sarah. Because you do. You're not slow in coming forward. You, you, you ask if you've got anything. And you don't demand a lot of time. It's only a three-minute here or two-minute there. But a clarification. Yeah. Because you're constantly trying to be the best you can be. And where you see that there's something you're not sure of, you're always going to seek yeah. s- some sort of um, advice. Yeah. And those things can't always wait for the, the meeting. They, no, they can't. Time, no. They? they can't. No, I mean, I tend to find, if I, yeah, I will save up a few questions for the morning. When I, you know, see, I'll go and find Scott and say, can I have a few minutes just to ask these questions? And it sort of sets me off for the, yeah. for the day and... Um, yeah, and having a mentor who's really approachable is so important. Because I don't feel that um, I know I can go to Scott at any time, as long as he's not teaching, <laughs> and ask a question. So, um, uh, yes, so yes, although we only meet formally once every two weeks, we're constantly, um, I know I can ask Scott at any time if mm. I want to. Is the fact that you're teaching the same... Um, lessons helpful because you might have just taught what she's struggling with or she might be teaching something that you're going to teach. I I think it's a massive plus. Right. Yeah, that does. You know, you can mentor without that. Um, But I think this is is an added plus that the natural fact, the content we're delivering is the same. So we're talking about the same sorts of things. So we can share. And what I haven't mentioned actually is that most of your groups are all attainment, aren't they? You are teaching the same content, which oh, is it's probably it's absolutely the same crucial, content. Yeah. 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 And any advice for a new mentor taking up next year? I, I suppose to seize it with both hands. Because right. in all it, it's an amazing opportunity. And the fact that somebody can benefit from, hopefully, from the experience that you have, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity for you, actually, to also reflect on your own practice. You will definitely become better as a result of it. 
it will certainly encourage you not to um, remain fixed in your thinking. And I would encourage them, obviously, to go through... I do think it's worth going through the standards again. I think that's... All of our practice is predicated on those standards, and it runs with you throughout your teaching career. So in terms of performance management, you, you need to make sure that you're complying with the teaching standards. Whether we like it or not, we have to. Right. But actual fact, they're quite sensible. Yeah. Um, but no, being being a mentor it is a privilege. It, it really is. So I would encourage anybody to seize it with both hands. Okay. And any tips for mentors from you, Sarah? Oh, tips for mentors. Found, yeah, uh, what have you found particularly helpful this year? Um, be approachable. Um, I mean, Scott obviously is, but please be approachable because. Um, so that the OECT feels comfortable asking you anything <laughs> because it will make a massive difference to them, I mm. think. Yeah. Um, supportive and approachable. Definitely. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank you both for talking to me and thank you on behalf of all of our listeners as well, um, particularly those that are new to teaching maths, anticipating or just beginning their first ECT post and also those that are picking up a mentoring role next year. The conversation I recorded with Scott and Sarah was one of many we now have in our podcast back catalogue that you may like to explore. If you're enjoying this podcast and are finding it useful, then please make sure you're subscribed and share with other teachers who may find it useful. We record podcasts frequently throughout the school year, reflecting many issues in maths education, so do listen again. Until next time, goodbye. (laughs) 